What a shock, we have a high attendance and I'm talking on sex. So glad you guys are here. I'm excited about this message series. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So I am talking about sex. I'm gonna warn you right now, parents. That's why we had you clear out the kids because we are going there today. Here's how the sermon's gonna work. It's gonna start off okay. This is gonna get good. This is gonna get really, really good. Then you're gonna wanna take a nap. That's how it's gonna work, by the way. So excited you guys are here. Can't wait to talk about this. And so it's gonna be such a good message on sex. You're gonna wanna smoke at the end. And so... I can't wait. I want to say hello to all of our campuses real quick, by the way. Thanks for being a part of our services today. And uh, we are going to have a lot of fun. Let's say our mission statement together real quick. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. So we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Now, since I am talking about sex, and I'll be talking about my own sex life a little bit, I have my daughters on the front row. Sweetie, could you come up here? She's 16 years old. I'm sure she's so excited to hear her dad talk about sex. And so, because I love you, I want to give you a gift. And so my gift to you today are noise-canceling headphones. There you go. I love you so much. There you go. You guys give it up for Sophie, so she's so sweet. So Keep those on until you're 30, by the way. <laughs> Excited about talking about this. I think that this affects everybody. So, you know, sex is kind of like fire. Um, it's actually a wonderful thing as long as you keep it in the confines it's supposed to be in. And so, you know, uh, fire's great. In fact, actually, fire's how you got here because you probably drove an internal combustion engine unless the three people that own the Tesla are here. But if, you, if not, you drove an internal combustion engine, which means there's a fire that's under control that powers your vehicle to get here. And so that's a wonderful thing. But when that fire gets outside of those confines, it can really burn you. And so in the same way, sex is that way. It's a beautiful thing inside the confines of a marriage between a man and a woman. It's a wonderful thing. When it gets outside of that context is when you can get burned. And so we want to talk very openly, very candidly today. And so you're going to be shocked at what the Bible actually says about sex today. And we're going to really go there. And so I'm glad you guys are here. And so I just want to kind of lay some groundwork. So grab some notes if you want. I want to grab, grab something to write with. I want to give you some things to write down. And go ahead and turn to the person next to you right now and tell them you need this. Just let them know that they clearly are going to need this message. So Genesis chapter two, verse 24 says this, and they shall become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so what that means is that they were in incredible shape and perfect looking. No, that's not what it means. No, it means that they were naked with one another. But to be naked, we think about naked like, hey, here I am, check me out. That's not what this is implying. It's implying that yes, they were physically naked, and they were one, so they clearly had sex. But it's also implying that they were naked, meaning that you know everything about me. And so it means I'm sharing myself fully with you. So it implies more than just a physical act or physically being naked, but, but really a sharing of, of your whole heart, one with another, like here's my hopes, here's my dreams, here's my fears, here's who I am. And so there's a, a full-blown sharing with one another. You know, since we're talking about going all the way, I want to define that if I can. You know, people think in our, in our culture that going all the way with someone means you have sex with them. But actually, you can go all the way with someone, according to that definition, and not even know their name. And so, but instead, I believe going all the way is when you see the old man pushing his wife in the wheelchair. I'm like, they are going all the way. When I stand over a coffin of a man who's passed away, with my arm around his wife and other family members around, and I say, congratulations, you went all the way. You kept your vows till death do us part. That's what it means to go all the way with someone. And that's really what we're talking about today. Is talking about today is I believe that God wants you to be lovers for life. Same person that you fall in love with for life. God's very clear in his word that sex is between 
a man and a woman in a committed marriage for life. And so that's how we define it today. But I want to give you some notes today as we talk about that. So pull out your notes. I want to give you some things to write down. Uh, look at this verse. 1 Corinthians 7 says this. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. I love that. Have your own wife, have your own husband. I thought, I'm going to try that this week. So, you know, when my wife is in the passenger seat and I'm in the car and we pull up to Chick-fil-A, I'm going to order my meal and, you know, at the window, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to, to have an eight-piece nugget and fries and a Dr. Pepper. And I'm going to turn to my wife and be like, and I'd like to have you later. And so that's, uh, I love that phrase. Have your own wife, have your own husband. It goes on to say this. It says, the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise to the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. So next time I go to my wife and say, hey, babe, you want to do it tonight? And she's like, oh yeah, I'm going to be tired. And be like, so does that mean you're in prayer right now? That means what's going on, right? Like, because it looks like you're watching Netflix. I wasn't sure which one was this one. It goes on to say, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So one of the things I want to mention right off the top of this whole message is when it comes to sex, frequency matters. And so being together on a regular basis is a big deal. In fact, oftentimes one of the two in a marital relationship typically feels like they're on a forced sexual diet. In other words, one person probably wants it more than the other. And so I just want to encourage you that doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong, but it does mean that you need to have an honest conversation with your, with your spouse and talk about this. And this is where you have a sexual negotiation. Like, hey, uh, no, once a month is not normal, honey. I don't want to go once a month. I, I, I want it to be more often than that. In fact, just to give you sort of a, a baseline, if I can, studies have proven that couples that are healthy and happy over a long period of time in marriage, typically you're having sex at least once a week. And so that's a good thing to shoot for. And so when, when I hear couples that, you know, say, well, we haven't had sex in months, that is not healthy. You're asking, listen, this is according to this verse. This is not a threat to you, but according to this verse, you are literally setting your husband or wife up to be tempted by another. So what the verse says, basically, if you are not regular, you're giving the devil an opportunity to tempt your spouse. And so sometimes I'll, I'll have to uh, tell a, a husband or wife, unfortunately, normally it's the Wife, I have to tell this too. I'm being a little stereotypical, but typically men want it more than women. That's not always the case. I know there are exceptions, but you know, for all two of you that are here, you're the exceptions. Congratulations. But <laughs> by and large, men are the ones who are wanting it more than their wives. And so uh, I have had wives tell me in, in like a counseling session with their husband there, uh, they'll say, you know, oh man, I just, God, it's like all he ever wants to do. He's just all over me. It's just like, he won't leave me alone. I'm like, okay, let's play that scenario out. Let's just pretend the opposite happens. So let's say he completely leaves you alone and he doesn't really pursue you at all. You're happy with that? Like, you're good with that. So when you play the opposite, you realize like, oh, no, I, I don't want that. So well then you can't really have it one, you can't both ways. It's like either he wants you and wants to pursue you or he doesn't want you. So I think it's probably better that he wants you. So, you know, it may be something you have to say, hey, baby, I don't want to have sex every other hour. Okay, that's not realistic. But at the same time, you know, let's find, let's, let's have a little negotiation. Like, what is realistic for you? And if you say two, three weeks and he or she is looking at you like, are you crazy? Then you probably need to, to make some compromises here. And so I just want to encourage you that be, be sensitive to that. That is a big deal. And I have heard couples being 
pretty angry with each other because they have not really come to a conclusion on that. So I want to encourage you to, to have that kind of com- that op- open dialogue with your, with your spouse. It says in Proverbs 5, now before we go any further, we're about to enter the rated R section of today's message. So there's a lot of verses that are pretty sexually explicit. So let's just start off with this one here. Proverbs and Song of Solomon, by the way, were both written by the same guy. They were both written by Solomon. And with a little help from others, mainly Solomon. Look what it says in Proverbs 5. He says, may your fountain be blessed. Fountain is referring to your sex life. And so God wants a flowing fountain, okay? He says, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. I love that because this is obviously speaking to a couple that's been married a while. So this is not some, you know, young newlywed couple saying, hey, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Well, it's kind of easy to do that when you're young, but when you make a decision to continue to rejoice in the wife of your youth when you're older, that's impressive. And so it says here, rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Okay, so (laughs) then it says in the Song of Solomon 8, it says, I am slim, tall, and full-breasted, and I have found favor in my lover's eyes. So clearly Solomon uh, was, was writing both these verses, so I think we know what Solomon liked. Okay, so, but the point is this, number one. God thinks sex is important. Would you write that down? God thinks sex is important. It's a big deal. If you don't find it important, I bet your spouse does. So this is probably a good discussion to have. And oftentimes I like to have couples actually say like on a scale of zero to 10, how important is sex to you? And then the wife typically will say six or seven and the husband will say 11. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And so it's like, okay, they need to know that. Like, cause she may go, oh, I didn't know it was that big of a deal. And he's like, yeah, I'm dying over here, right? Or vice versa, I've seen it the other way too. But you need to have that kind of discussion one with another. Now, before I go into this next section of scripture, there's multiple ways to interpret what's going on. And so I wanna be careful not to interpret that. I wanna leave it up to interpretation for you. But the one thing I think we have to interpret in the verses I go through is that this is some hot verses. Like, whoa, there's a lot going on here, okay? And that's the point I'm trying to make is that clearly God is good with it being crazy hot. He's cool with that. He created it. So Song of Solomon, by the way, was written by Solomon, and it is a story of him and his lover about how they fell in love, courted, got married, and then their sexual intimate life. It's very explicit, by the way. I'm just going to read to you some, some excerpts, but by all means, you should just read. You can read Song of Solomon in, in 30 minutes or less, 20 minutes, actually. And so it's not that long. And when you start reading it, you maybe find yourself stopping half the way through and going, Does that think, is that, did he just say what I think he said? Yeah, he did. And so when you read it, it's pretty explicit. So let me just read a couple of the more explicit verses. Uh, again, I warned you before you got here, okay? So don't be like, oh my gosh, you said that in church. I warned you, all right? So, but I'm not embarrassed these verses because they are verses of the Bible. And the Bible also says that all scriptures God breathed, which means this is also ordained by God. So God it wants you to know this is good. This is the way he sees it. So look at Song of Solomon 7, verse six. It says this, oh, how beautiful you are. How pleasing, my love, how full of delights. You are slender like a palm tree and your breasts are like its clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. (laughs) I like some fruit. (laughs) Sometimes you look at your wife and say, baby, I just need to climb a palm tree. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) All right. How do I get myself into this stuff? I don't know. Song of Solomon chapter four, verse 16 says something extremely graphic. It says this, the girl says this, come north wind, awaken, come south wind, blow upon my garden. What would a garden be on a woman? 
Okay. It says, and waft its lovely perfume to my beloved. Let him come into his garden and eat its choicest fruits. Thanks, guys. Great seeing you. I'm going to go ahead and head on out. Okay, so I'll let you determine what you think that means, but it's pretty, there it is. Okay, so look at the next verse. Song of Solomon 2, verses 3 gets even crazier. It says this, she said this, As an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. With great delight, I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Yeah, okay, so... He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. I will never hear that song ever again the same, by the way, that, that, that banner over me is love. This, this clearly implies, some would argue, this implies some pretty clear sexual acts going on between them. I'll let you determine if you think that's what it is. But at the very least, what this means is that they were all over each other and enjoying it. And let me tell you why I want to bring it up. It's not because I'm trying to be graphic or gross or anything like that. Because some people do find that gross. Some people go, oh, gosh, that's gross. Well, that's implying it's sick. That's fine. That's just you're determined. That's not my issue. That's between you and your spouse. But here's what I do want to say, is that we need to be willing to lift the religious veil off of our marriage if it's made you somehow think that, oh, I need to kind of hold back because I'm a good Christian girl or a good Christian guy, so therefore I don't do certain things. That's not what the Bible says at all. To be a good Christian girl or a good Christian boy in marriage is to full-on enjoy each other and do whatever in the world you like. So that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to tell you do this or do that. I don't care what position you take. That's not the point. <laughs> all right? The point is they were all over each other and it was God-ordained. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm not here to tell you, you should do this, you should do that. That's not what I'm trying to say. In fact, look, it says in Song of Solomon 2 verse 6 says this, his left hand is under my head, his right hand caressed me. I mean, that's very clear. Like, wow. I mean, they're having a good old time here. Okay. Look at the next verse. Song of Solomon 5, verse 3 says this. And by the way, this was a dream sequence. She's dreaming of being with him physically. Okay. Have you ever been so in love with your spouse that you dream about intimacy with him? This has happened to me. I have woken up, rolled over to my wife, and I was like, you were incredible. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like where I literally dreamed of her. I'm not going to go into details, but yeah. Anyway, so Song of Solomon chapter 5, verse 3. This is a dream sequence. So before this, let me just set this up. Before this, she's dreaming of, of Solomon running through the town. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I had to pull the mic off. You'd think Jesus came back. So, okay. So she's dreaming of him running through the city streets, sweaty, panting to be with her. I mean, like basically being horny is basically what's going on. She's like, he's seeking me. He wants me now. And of course she wants him too. In fact, look what happens. So he finds her in this dream and he goes to open the door and it's locked with a latch. There's a lock on it. He can't get the door open. Now that is significant because that's saying that there's going to be a season where you are dying and you want one another, but that door is supposed to be locked. So it's very clear what God is trying to imply here that, hey, you know what? I know you're crazy about each other and you want to rip each other's clothes off and that's supposed to happen in marriage. Not we're going to get married, so let's go ahead. No, 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 in marriage. I bring this up because my wife and I, I will tell you, it was very difficult, but we did wait until we were married. I mean, I wanted to die a thousand deaths and I had to take a hundred thousand showers, but <laughs> cold showers. I did pull it off. So when people tell me, oh, that's just impossible. No, it's really not impossible. It, you can't do it. It's not easy though. 
It's absolutely not easy. And some of you right now are thinking, this is hard to even talk about, Pastor. I've already blown all that. It's okay. That's what God's grace is for. Okay? But let's still, we're going somewhere with this. So just, just hang with me. Even if you're single and you're like, this is just torture. You're like going through all these sexual verses. And I'm supposed to just go home and be fine. <laughs> no, you're supposed to go home and anticipate that God has someone one day for you. I'm not trying to limit singles. I'm not trying to limit your sex life. I'm trying to give you a better sex life. The Bible, if you'll follow it, will bless you sexually to where if you don't follow it, you've probably already been burned from sex then and thought, I thought this was gonna be great and it's disastrous. It's really true. And so it shortchanges the relationship you could have had. And so God wants us to wait. And so it's difficult. In fact, do you know that Song of Solomon is a common phrase throughout the entire thing? Song of Solomon is written almost like a song. Like he would sing a part, then she would sing a part, then it'd be like a chorus, and then he would sing a part, she would sing a part. It's like Phantom of the Opera, biblical sex style. That's basically what it is. So we're like singing, oh, you're super hot, take off your clothes, you know. And she's like, I want to, but you were not married. You know, that kind of thing is going on here, okay? And so at this point, she's in this dream. He comes running up. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna be with you right now. The door's locked. I'm gonna rip this door down right now. And then she says this, I'm in my nightgown. Do you expect me to get dressed? Then she says, I'm bathed in a bed. Do you want me to get dirty? <laughs> All the guys are like, yes, we want you to get dirty. Okay. <laughs> Then she says, but my lover wouldn't take no for an answer. And the longer he knocked, the more excited I became. Then she says, I got up to open the door to my lover, sweetly ready to receive him. That means exactly what it says. She was like, I am ready to do this. Okay. She's like, I'm worked up. I'm hot. Let's do this. Come on. Then it says after this scripture, I don't have time to read the whole thing, that she finally got the door open and he was gone. Basically, they're, they're, they're trying to explain that they're like, mm, just, oh. I mean, this is some hot stuff. They're dying. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm ready. You've ever been engaged as a Christian couple and you're trying to honor God, you know what I'm talking about. And so this is beautiful. And then eventually, of course, they, they are together and it's, it's God honoring and you know, there's a process to courtship and marriage and then they're full blown you know, doing this and that. But that's what we're reading here. So it's very interesting. Uh, and so, but all throughout Song of Solomon, you'll see a common phrase. And the common phrase is this. Do not awaken love before it's time, which implies that it's supposed to be awesome and hot and incredible when you're married. And so that's the way God's designed it. So what does this mean for you and me today? Number two, have fun. If you're married, be playful and creative. Satisfy one another. Now here's the only limit. The only limit is this. No one should be asked to do something they don't want to do. Did you catch that? This is very important to hear that. No one should be asked to do something you don't want to do. Now, let me just say this. If you are a husband or wife and your spouse is constantly saying, I want to do this and I want to do this, and you're like, what? what? Like, what in the world is that? And, you know, they're asking you to do some sexual acts that you're just like, number one, that sounds gross to me. That sounds painful. I mean, why are we doing this? If, you, if, if it's really, you, you wonder, like, where in the world is this coming from? I can tell you where it's coming from. If they're really asking you to do crazy stuff all the time, they're watching porn. That's where it's coming from. That's the only place it's going to come from. I mean, honestly, you're like, I mean, unless you're the most creative person in the world on your own sexually without any kind of feeding. But most of the time, 95% of the time, when a man or woman is saying, I want to do this, I want to do that, they're learning that somewhere. And so that stuff doesn't enhance your sex life. It ruins it. So I want to encourage you to get that stuff out of your mind. And guess what? If you do that, by the way, the simplest sex becomes unbelievable as long as you don't have crazy, unrealistic comparisons to actors. Does that make sense? This is why I'm so anti-porn is because it ruins your sex life. 
You know, Satan's a liar. You know how good of a liar he is? Did you know if you watch too much porn, you go impotent? The very thing you're wanting, you can't even do if you feed your mind with the wrong stuff. Isn't that crazy? He's a good liar. So I just want to encourage you, clear your mind with that stuff because then the simplest things become amazing. But, you know, you, you could interpret the first couple of verses I just read there as clear sexual acts that were going on that they were doing to each other or whatever. Or another simple way is to say they were simply exploring each other's bodies. And so, and I want to be real clear here that no one is asking you to do something that you don't want to do. That is not God's will for you to use your spouse for something. You're supposed to be making it about them, not about you. Does that make sense? So I want to be real clear here. So just keep that in mind. But have fun, be playful, be creative, satisfy one another. The only limit is no one should be asked to do something that they don't want to do. I've been married 25 years, guys. There's nothing wrong with mixing some things up. That's totally healthy, okay? But I just, I want to encourage you that the thing I'm trying to do today is not, I'm not trying to ask you to do something insane or, you know, like whatever. I'm not trying to, you know, create sexual gymnastics in your bedroom. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, is that some of us have been raised in a highly religious home that's very conservative when it comes to these areas. And so we start to think like, well, but I'm a good Christian girl or a good Christian guy. And so, you know, I, I, I shouldn't want to try this or try that. And that's, that's everything I just read in the Bible. So don't confuse the religious culture that you came with what God says. God's like, have at it. Enjoy one another. The only limit is your own mind. Like, enjoy one another. That's it. Just, just make sure you're enjoying one another and not pushing someone or coercing someone to do something. So just keep that in mind. So that's where I wanted to go with that. Now, uh, I, I want to mention, this is really great. An older man uh, came up to me last night. It was really great. I'm so glad for his insight. He said, you know, I want to mention something. He said, I love the sermon. I thought it was great. He goes, the one thing you didn't mention I think is really worth saying. He said, I love my wife. And this guy's in his 60s. And he said, I just adore my wife to death. He goes, but you know, he said, I was in Vietnam and I served my country and I, I have some health issues from it. And he said, and I'm just going to be honest with you. And he began to tear up. And he said, I can't perform like I want to sexually because I have some health issues. And he said, that's not uncommon. And he began to cry and he began to say, but I love being with my wife still. Uh, I just told him, I said, bro, that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my life. Guys, sex is not about the sex. It's about the intimacy. And so this man can't perform in ways he wants to, but he still enjoys that time with his wife. Isn't that special? That to me sounds like real love, doesn't it? It's about just being with one another. And so, sure, I know some guys right now are like, no, it's about the sex. I understand that. And God meant you to be fulfilled, but we do live in a world where things happen and people get older and we have health issues. You can still honor one another and be intimate with one another. So I just think that's really beautiful. In fact, right now, if, if all the stuff I just talked about may anger you, there's some people in here today that are mad that I just read this. Some of you right now may be hearing this scripture I just read and thinking, oh, great. Now I'm going to be asked when I go home to do this and do that. I don't want to do that stuff. Some of, you, some of you are angry about that. That sounds to me like the issue you think is sex isn't, but it's about how are you two communicating and getting along because it's okay to say, I don't want to do that. There's, of course, limits to everybody. I don't care how sexually crazy you think you are. There's going to be a line. You're going to go, well, I'm not going to do that. So your line may be different than your spouse's, but everyone has lines. And so it's not about that. It's about saying, I want to honor you, and I want to love you. In fact, men, can I give you a little hint? Ladies, just close your ears for a second. Men, I want to tell you something. Shh, don't tell anyone. I'll give you a little help. This will be our little secret. If you'll make it about her, you'll get blessed. 
Did you catch that? If you make it about her, you'll be blessed. But if you go into the bedroom to make it about you, and you wonder why there's problems, honor one another. I mean, isn't it crazy? The Bible actually says what? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Oh, look at that. That If we follow the golden rule, even in the bedroom, if we honor the other person, then guess what? We end up being blessed. That's how that works. So I just want to encourage you. It doesn't just work in the kitchen. It works in the bedroom. It doesn't just work by serving one another, um, with helping out with the kids and so forth. It, it helps in every area. So always put the other first. It'll be a blessing. Next week's message, by the way, especially if you are frustrated with what you just heard, next week's message is about conflict and communication. It's going to be rated R. We're we talking about some things pretty, pretty graphic as well. But I want to encourage you to be here because a lot of couples just really, even good Christian couples just really fight and struggle. And so I want to encourage you to be here as we talk about that. We just get real about how we can work through issues. So I want to encourage you to be here for next week. Now, for the singles in the room, I know you're like, oh my gosh, you're killing me. Like, I mean, all this sexual talk and all these verses, and you're telling me that I can't have any of that. No, I didn't say you can't have any of that. The Bible is very clear that God will sustain you until he brings the person that he wants you to marry into your life. And so now, I remember when I was single and dating, just dying, being like, oh my gosh, it's so hard. I mean, to, to wait is just torturous. And then I met and fell in love with my wife and just upped the torture 50 times more because I'm like, here's this beautiful blonde. We're in college. She's, you know, 20. She's gorgeous. I'm like, oh my gosh. It was just straight up torture for me. I'm just like, man, I want to rip your clothes off right now. I mean, it was just, it was really difficult. And I'm a good Christian guy trying to honor God and I wanted to rip her clothes off. I'm telling you. So there's nothing wrong with those kind of thoughts, but I knew that God wanted me to wait. I just knew I had this fear. I had this fear that I just knew Jesus is going to come back before I had sex. You know what I'm saying? I just knew that was going to happen. I was going to be like, at my wedding, I'm like, I do, I do, you know, we're like having a big wedding party. And then I'm like, I'm at the hotel, I'm carrying her across the threshold, and all of a sudden the sky parts. Oh, and Jesus comes back. And I'm like, no! I just need two minutes. That's it, I promise. I just knew that was going to happen. So pray for your pastor. I'm barely saved, let's be honest. Okay. Have fun, be playful, be creative. But singles, you got to know that God will honor you. And some of you singles right now are thinking, man, I've already blown this. I mean, this is just difficult even here because you're telling me, even with the experience I've had now, just to stop cold. I am telling you that. I believe God will bless that. In fact, I want to encourage you, if that's really hard for you to do, that means you're dating the wrong kind of person. Like if you're like, it's just so hard. Not if you're, I mean, I think the reason why I was able to make it to the marriage bed without having, with, with my virginity, I think the reason that was even possible is because the kind of girls I dated in the high school and college, if I were to try something, they would slap my face off. So if you're dating the right kind of person, it really improves your odds. If you're like, I'm only going to date people that, that are committed to being pure too, then it's not as hard. And so, but yeah, if, if you go on a date thinking I'm going to be pure and, and they're thinking I'm going to get some, yeah, that's a disaster waiting to happen right there. It's going to be really hard. And so you've got to uh, really be choosing. In fact, singles, honestly, if this has been just a, a big mess for you, can I just challenge you to do something that may seem really crazy? I want to challenge you just to date Jesus for a year. Just to say, obviously, I've blown it in this area many times, and I'm just not getting it right, so I'm just going to back off of all relationships and just date Jesus. Just me and you, Jesus, for one year. Now, that may seem crazy, but let me tell you what I've seen happen over and over again in our church. Over 21 years of pastoring the same church, I've seen it again and again and again. Singles that come to this conclusion say, I'm done with women, I'm done with men, whatever. I'm not going to date someone for the next year, just you and me, Jesus. I'm going to come to church all the time, get in the Word, grow spiritually, get my life in order. That's all I'm going to do. Here's what always happens. They end up coming to me sometimes six or nine months in, and they're like, Pastor, i got a real problem. I'm like, what's your problem? They go, well, I started dating Jesus nine months ago, and I promised him a whole year, and now there's this amazing person in my life, and they're super godly, and they love God. What do I do? I'm like, what a wonderful problem to have. 
And it sounds a lot like Matthew 6, that says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things you want will be added unto you. If you'll seek Jesus first singles, God will cause the person of your dreams to seek you. That's how that works. You just gotta learn to trust God. He will cause that to happen. I've seen it happen over and over again. Now, the next verse, so next two things I want to share, I'm going to do it kind of quickly, but they're pretty serious. I'm going to dive in real quick here. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Now, according to Dr. Douglas Weiss, he is a very unique person to interpret this verse because he is a theologian with a theology degree, and he also is a clinical psychologist with an emphasis in sexuality. So I think that's an, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone who has a theology degree and a sexuality degree. Like what an interesting combination. So he gives a new spin to interpreting this verse that I think most theologians simply don't have the background he has to be able to really understand what this means. Many theologians have thought when it says, flee from sexual morality, every other sin commit, you commit outside the body, this one is against your own body. Many theologians have taken that to mean that, you know, like basically if you have sex with the wrong person, that you're gonna get a sexually transmitted disease, so you sin against your own body, okay? And sure, there's some truth to that. I know it's very real, and I hear that all the time here at Church Unlimited too. I mean, there's people that, and listen, I know many people think, oh, there's no, those are, the percentages are small. No, they're hugely high, but no one's gonna tell you they have that. So actually, it's shockingly high. I don't know if you knew that. There's a very well-known school here in the state of Texas, college, one-fourth of the student body has an STD. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a really high stat to me. So what's the answer? Is the answer a condom? No, the answer is get married and stay faithful. That protects you from all that. God knows what he's talking about. But when it says you sin against your own body, this is the way Douglas Weiss described it. I think this is brilliant. As a clinical sexual psychologist, he said what happens is, is we have this thing called the euphoric memory that gets locked in our brain. Here's what that means. When you release sexually, okay, Something is on your mind or in front of your eye gate at that moment, okay? When you're with your spouse, you release sexually, you're looking at them, you're in this moment, you're, you're, you're having this sexual act happening. Wow, this is amazing, they're right in front of you. Oh my gosh, you're naked, you look beautiful. Wow, this is, boom, it locks in a memory, right? And when you have that sexual release, there's so much dopamine firing off in your brain. I mean, there's obviously there's, other things happening in your body at the same time, but there's all this dopamine happening because the most sexual organ in your whole body is this. It's your brain. So it locks you in with that person. Okay? Now let's think, let's back up. If you go on the internet and watch something and it turns you on and you're alone and you release while you're watching something, you lock in that actor or actress that scene, that image, that issue, whatever it is, with sexual release. Then two days later, three days later, a week later, you get in bed with your spouse and you're trying to enjoy your sex life. And you're like, man, I just, this just didn't do it for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not connecting here. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not turned on. Right, because you have a euphoric memory that they will never match because they weren't the person you saw on the screen. So the very thing you think is helping you is hurting your sex life. So let me challenge you to do this. You don't want to not sin against your own body anymore? No more sexual releases outside of your own spouse. And if you'll do that, some of you right now are just shocked like, what? It sounds like you formed a habit then. If this is shocking to you, then you formed a habit. 
But if you'll cut off all those habits, whether it's a person, I hope it's not. I hope it's not an illicit relationship, but cut that off, obviously. But also, if it's an act, if it's something you're going to the internet to watch or racy movies on HBO or Showtime or Skinamax or any of those other ones, if you're watching that stuff and you're sexually releasing to it, you're locking in those images and no man or woman will be able to compete with that scene that they took five times to get it right and people are acting. And so then you wonder why things aren't going good in your own bedroom because you're, you, you're competing now and you've locked in that competition emotionally with a euphoric memory of someone other than your spouse. So here's what you do. You go cold turkey. No more watching that stuff. Cancel those movie channels. Lock down your internet if you need to. By the way, I think one of the best softwares I've ever seen, and I use it personally, is CovenantEyes.com. It's incredible. If you've never heard about it, you should be looking into that, men. CovenantEyes.com. It doesn't just block bad websites. It records every website you go to. And it'll send an email to your wife. That'll solve things. You been good today? Oh, yeah. Been real good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where'd you go on the web? PBS.com. That's it. Or whatever, right? Or if you're single, a best friend, that's fine too. Maybe multiple accountability partners and then they do the same. That's great. It's incredible accountability and it will shut you down from having a problem with looking at other stuff. Even if, even if you say, oh, I wouldn't even be sexual, I'm just curious. Well, you, you're kind of lying to yourself there, but yes, you may have been curious, but you still shouldn't be looking at someone else. It should just be you and your spouse. So if you will lock your life down from other images and other activities outside of any kind of sexual release from your spouse, then guess what happens? After doing that for a while, guess what happens? The only euphoric memory you will have will be with your spouse. So the other night, my wife was out of town. I was having a rough week, to be honest, just emotionally, kind of have, it's been a tough week for me, emotionally, dealing with some stuff. Um, with other people, not, I'm fine, but our marriage is great, nothing there, but uh, with, with some other people's choices that have really damaged people, and I've been having to get in the middle of it. So it's been just a tough week. And I, I literally texted Jessica, and I was like, oh, man, I could use you right now. I could really benefit from just seeing you. She knew what I meant. She was like, I know, I get it. See, see you tomorrow night, you know, because I was coming uh, to see her. But, I mean, I was dying. I was like, Phew. But honestly, when I was wanting a release, which is a very natural thing for a man and a woman to want that release, when I was wanting it, my first thoughts were, Jessica. My first thoughts were, I want to be with my wife. That's natural, that's healthy. See, when you bond and have that euphoric moment with your spouse, it draws you back to them. Guys, that's good. It draws you to be with your spouse. So what does this mean? Number three, it means when any sexual experience happens outside of your spouse, you are hurting yourself and your marriage. Dr. Douglas Weiss, by the way, has been on Dr. Phil. He's brilliant. The guy's truly brilliant. So I recommend this stuff. And the last thing I want to cover, I haven't even covered the most explicit scripture yet. Now we're going to cover it. It's explicit. It's also, frankly, to some, maybe even just gross. But I, don't, I believe the spiritual principle is so powerful, I'm willing to run that risk with you today. So I want to show you a scripture. It says in Malachi chapter 2, and then we'll be done. Why do we betray each other, violating the covenant of our ancestors. We didn't underline the word or write down the word covenant. Says so you cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Wow. 
God's like, I can't bless you because you have not kept the covenant that you made with your wife, right? Look at Ephesians chapter five. It says the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. What is a covenant? So we think marriage is a commitment. It's not. It's absolutely not a commitment. That's a lie. Commitment is just, hey, baby, I love you, and I'm committed to you, and you're awesome, and we're all good. And all of a sudden, I don't, I'm not happy in a relationship. Hey, this isn't going to work out. That's a commitment. You keep a commitment, you break a commitment. Covenant's different. Covenant is a spiritual commitment between you and someone else and God. There's a third party involved. In fact, in the Old Testament, when the covenant was made, a king would make a covenant to another king. He would say, hey, I won't attack your kingdom if you won't attack my kingdom. Today, we call that a peace treaty. They would call that a covenant. And then they would take a, a, a male uh, ox and they would rip the ox in half. It was bloody, it was gross, right? There's blood going everywhere. They'd rip this in half. Then the, the king would walk through that bloodied body that's been ripped in half, through the blood. Then the other king would walk through the other side and they would say, okay, may God honor this covenant we've made. So I won't attack you, you won't attack me. We are blood covenant committed to this now, okay? And if you break a blood covenant, the only way to change that is through more shedding of blood. Marriage is a blood covenant. And Deuteronomy 22, if you read it, it says that it describes a young woman getting married to a man. They consummate their marriage. This is 2019, this happens too. We don't talk about it because it seems gross, but it's true. When they first consummate that physical union, there is a membrane that tears and there is blood that flows over the male part while they're having sex. In Deuteronomy 22, in ancient biblical times, the man and woman would consummate the relationship. There would be a flow of blood. At that point, after their first night together, they would leave that hotel room or home or wherever they were. The parents, I kid you not, of the girl, of the young woman who's now married, would come in and take the bloodied sheet home with them. If the man went to the public square and declared and accused his wife of not keeping her covenant, saying she wasn't just with me, she was with someone else beforehand, she, doesn't, she didn't keep the covenant, then the, then the parents would defend their daughter and they would bring the sheet, the soiled sheet out in public and hold up and say, no, he's lying, here's the evidence. And that may seem graphic and gross to you, but let me tell you why that they would show the evidence and why they keep the evidence. You know why? It wasn't because it was some, some kind of sick family thing. It wasn't that. It was that if you were accused of breaking covenant in the Old Testament law, that was the equivalent of first degree murder and you would be killed. And you wonder why Jewish people stay married. They see marriage different than us. And until we see marriage commitment on par with something to be kept that it's, if we don't keep it, it's the equivalent of first degree murder. And by the way, Malachi, it says when a man leaves his wife, he puts a coat of violence over her. What does that mean? You might as well murder the woman, what you've done to her. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty if you're on your second or third marriage. I'm trying to explain the power of covenant that God intends you to keep. But if you've blown covenant, you say, man, I've already messed that up already. I'm single and I've slept around and, 
and I, I'm still not married, or, or maybe I'm dating someone now, or I got married, but I've already, I'd already been with people, and I've already blown covenant past. It's really hard for me to hear. No, 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 no. Remember this. How was blown covenant covered? By another shedding of blood. And I've got good news for you. Jesus shed his blood to cover all of our broken covenants. Isn't that good to know that? So what does this mean for you and me today? Here's what it means. It means this. Number four, when you are casual with covenant, you create casualties. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's who you slept with. Sometimes it's your children that no longer have a mom or a dad in the house. Maybe you've been the casualty of one of your parents that didn't keep their covenant. This is sensitive. I know, guys, it's 